Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. actually be social. And so I want to speak about that today because I've never heard a sermon about it. And I want to say, hey, this is a good way to communicate with people and to be social and to be even likable. Jesus says, woe to you if all men speak well of you, but you should be likable. And so we want to talk a little bit about that today. But here's why. It's because we, let me say me, you can't blame me And I can't blame you for being born in the generation that you're born in. It just just happens. And so me being born in the generation that I'm in, I find it very difficult to communicate one-on-one with people. Like, I can speak to a crowd a lot easier than, like, you put me with a room and somebody and, and let them, like, pour out their heart to me. Like, I start sweating and, like, oh, it's just, like, it's, 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 it's so difficult for me. And I think, that a lot of people are like that. I really do. I think that we're losing that art because I think that communication is like a lost commodity. Something of reading a newspaper or looking at a Polaroid picture, something that it's old, but if you can communicate well in 2021, that is something that people will look for and lean towards, and it's one of the reasons that we may be so lonely and so feeling so isolated is because not only are we perhaps bad communicators, but other people around us aren't great communicators, honestly, that much either, and so it leaves us in a place of vulnerability. So where does, the question now is, where does communication start? Where does communication start? Here's what James says. James says this. Do you know who James is? It's the brother of Jesus. James got murdered, killed, martyred in 62 AD. And he got killed because everybody loved James. And there was this Roman governor at the time. His name was Felix. That's just a pretty cool name in my opinion. But there was a Roman governor named Felix. And he passed away. And so in that day of time, what would happen is, is that when a governor would pass away, another Romans, the Romans would send another governor to replace him. But there was about a two to three month lull in which Felix had passed away and the other Roman governor was coming. And so in those situations, the high priest then would start to reign and rule everybody in Israel. And so the high priest started to rule and his name was Annas. And when Annas started to rule over the the people had guess who he could not stand who was stealing all of his followers James exactly and so he said you're getting all these followers and everybody's turning to you and you're this supposedly leader of the Christian church I'm coming against you buddy and so he gave he, he got this like mock trial And he got all these people to lie on James, and guess what happened because of it? James was ordered to be executed. How was he executed in this way? He was executed by stoning him to death, not with weed, but with rocks. And so they would take rocks, and they would literally 
hurl it at James, and he was hit so many times that he was unrecognizable at the end of it. And so it was about this time that James dies, and now the Roman governor that would have replaced Felix, and this is a lot of names, he had now, he was, he was on his way. Now he had arrived just days after James had been killed. And all the people from Jerusalem, I mean, obviously they knew about it because they were the ones that watched it happen. And so they all go to the Roman council and plea with their new Roman dictator and governor. He says, the Annas, this high priest, he killed James. And the high High priest, I mean, the Roman governor wanted to gain trust with his people. And he said, you know what? I hear you. I hear all these pleas. I'm actually, he did not kill the high priest, but he banned the high priest from Israel and got another high priest to reign. So why in that moment did everybody love James? It's because his name was James. This was his nickname, and it's even in Scripture. It's James the Just. That's what people would call James. And he was, it'd be like someone calling you, um, 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 i got to think of a good example now. Mr. Carl, the cool one, you know, cool Carl or something. They would call him James the Just, and everybody loved him. So why would they love him? Why was he called James the Just? But in his book, in James, he, he, he's the only one to do this in Scripture that I know of. He starts off in James 1, and he says this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, the only time in Scripture that I know of that brothers and sisters are brought up. Now, if you have an NLT translation, does anybody have an NLT translation? Just hold your Bible up if you have the NLT translation Bible. Not too many people do. Okay, um, the NLT translation Bible. Well, that's actually what I read out of. You do? Okay, that's actually what I read out of the NLT. You do too? Okay. And if you will notice, all throughout the NLT translation, it's used as brothers and sisters some. Like, like all the time, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. But in the Greek, it actually just says, just dear brothers. But the NLT comes along and says, well, he's speaking to everyone, which is true. And so they just translate it, brothers and sisters. But James, if you go back to the original language, it's the only time that I know of in Scripture that someone addresses both men and women, brothers and sisters. And so here's what he says in James chapter 1. He says, dear brothers and sisters, Everybody should do this. Everybody should do this. And then he, 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 he's about to hit them with it. You, um, let me tell you exactly what verse I'm in so you can read along with me if, um, if that's something that, that you want to do. Uh, let me find James. Dear brothers and sisters, James chapter 1, and it's in verse 19 is where I'm at. Verse 19. Understand this is what, how mine, yours may say, Dear brothers and sisters, James 1, 19, it says, Everyone should do this. Be quick to listen and then slow to speak. Be quick to listen but then slow to speak. And when I read this for the first time, that blew my mind because I am the exact opposite. I love to do this and really can't stand to do this. And then I got married. <laughs> I love you so much, babe. I'm so sorry for that for, for, for 
for doing that. Here's, a, here's what somebody else would say, a philosopher. His name is Young, and then it was another guy named Rogers. His actual name was Carl Rogers. And then my favorite psychoanalytic philosopher would be a guy. He's really a therapist, I would say. His guy by the name of Jordan Peterson. They all, uh, Jordan Peterson. They all say the same thing. Here's what they say. They say the goal in really understanding, and they glean this still from James chapter 1. They said the goal is to first understand. That's the goal first. And then it's to be understood. It's the same idea, to listen and then to speak, to understand and then to be understood. I'll give you an example of this. Me and Kat went to the Mexican restaurant the other day, and the waiter comes up to us, and they're like, hey, me, we take your order. And so I'm like, yeah, you can take our order. I got what I always get, which is the happy plate, and then she loves quesadilla, so she was going to get a quesadilla. And as she's giving her order, she says, hey, I also want on the quesadilla, I want rice, but I want you to put the rice in the quesadilla. And our waiter looks back at Kat and says, you want fries in your quesadilla? And she says, yes, I want rice in my quesadilla. He says, okay. And he has the most bewildered look on his face. And he says, okay, bye. And he walks away. And just the minutes pass by, and I'm just reliving this conversation. And I turn to Kat, and I said, Kat, I think he said fries. Like, not rice, but French fries. I think he thought you wanted French fries on your quesadilla. And she says, no, there's no way that he could have thought that. And I said, well, you're probably right. So our food comes out, and my happy plate is awesome. And then there's her quesadilla with fries on it (laughs) and cheese. And I try to, like, handle the situation as best as I could. I'm like, I kind of nudge her under the table. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. You may have just discovered something new, so it's okay. And then I look at him, and I say, I say, thank you. We're about to bless our food. Can we pray for you? You know, and I'm just smiling like, it's going to be okay. I'm trying to deflate the conversation. He's like, yeah, okay. So we, we did end up praying for him. And then we go to eat, and needless to say, it's don't try it. <laughs> it's not good. And so she's like kind of eating all mine. And but but he was a really nice guy. The waiter, he was awesome. He was the coolest guy. We talked to him the whole time and we laughed about it at the end. And we asked him for his name. And I didn't get it, but Kat kind of res- responded it to me. She said, It's Guito. I said, Okay. And so, obviously, then I started making rhymes with Guito, like, Guito, Necesito, Quesadillo on my burrito, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I walked out, and then he was driving to El Camino, so that made it even better. It's like, what is going on? I could spit some flames right now. And I look at Kat, and I'm like, this has been a really cool, fun day. She says, well, that's, you can say that. You, you're full, even. It's like, yeah, that's true. To be understood, right? To be understood, not fries, but rice. And it wasn't his fault. It was kind of like a a communication breakdown. But the point in and of itself is that to be good Christians, to be good listeners is really important. To really seek to understand somebody and and to to, to get what they're saying. Now, let me ask this. What What is the importance of communication? What's the importance of talking? The importance and the goal of talking is to be right. No, no, it is not. Because you can write yourself right out the door in a relationship. You can be right about every argument, and guess what you're going to do? 
You're going to write yourself right out the door. Well, then, if it's not to be right, the goal of communication and, and, and talking is to win. i got to win the, the conflict or the community. i got to win. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because you can win the battle and lose the marriage. You can win every battle and lose the marriage. The purpose, hear me now, the purpose of communicating is really two parts. It's for them to be heard. They need to feel heard and seen. It's for them to feel heard, and then, A, you need something too. You need to hear what they're saying. So you need for them to be heard, boom, and then you need to hear what they're saying. I'll give you an example. Here's the best example that I can give, okay? The other day, I was sitting in a room, and there were five women in the room. So I didn't get in a word. I just sat there and listened, right? And at first I wasn't even listening. I was just kind of there. And then this woman would talk, and this woman would talk, and then Kat would say something, and then this other girl would talk, and they would talk. And I'm just kind of sitting there. But then they bring up Washington, D.C., and I love Washington, D.C. It is my favorite. Like, my favorite church is in Washington, D.C. It's called Passion City Church with my favorite pastor, Ben Stewart. And so now I'm excited about the conversation, you know, and I'm just waiting to get a foothold in the conversation so I can bring this up. And I think they had some kind of secret mind game going on where they, their goal was just not to let me talk. And so the whole time, they start talking about then they move from Washington, obviously, then to politics, and then start talking about Auburn football. And five conversations go by, and I'm still wanting to go back to Washington, D.C. And finally, I don't get to say anything. So I was just like, okay, bye. And I leave the room. And there was like a couple of condos that there were, and um, Cat's parents on one of the condos down. So I go in there and just sit on the couch, and I'm, I'm, and I'm flustered now. I'm like, man, I didn't even get to say anything. I just listened to them women the whole time talk about whatever. And then I remembered this verse. And it's like I'm just doing the exact opposite of what James says. I was quick to talk and looking for a foothold when really James says, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Let me tell you what communication and listening is not. Listening is not trying to impress someone. Listening is not trying to win or be right, and listening is absolutely not pretending to listen. It is not pretending to listen, but actually in your mind having a complete different conversation in your head or thinking about how you're going to respond. But why do we think thoughts in our head when somebody else is talking about why, how we're going to respond? I'll tell you why we do it. Because, like, let's just say that Matt, Matt sends me a text message. About how much time do I have to respond to your text message once you send it if in a decently manner? 10, 20 minutes from the time I read it, I can respond, and you won't feel like I, like, I don't know, shunned you or something, you know? And maybe even probably more than that, but I at least have 10 or 20 minutes to respond. Not, not in real conversation. We don't have a conversation be like, okay, Kat, I mean, okay, Matt, you said something good. Give me 10 minutes and I'll respond to you. Oh, how should I respond to this? You know, we have to have real end-time responses, and we're not so good at that anymore. We are not so good at that anymore, y'all, about having real end-time being able to respond on the spot. And so we think when someone's talking to us, well, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? But that is not listening. That is not listening. So the question then is, what is listening? And how do I become a good listener? 
Okay, these are things that, that, that we should do. Right now, I can tell Miss Cindy is a very good listener because she is like this, like the whole time she has been smiling and nodding her head like, yes, very good, very good. And a couple of the rest of you have too, like, yeah, I can tell. Like, you're giving me very good what? You're sending me very good non-verbals that you are paying attention. And that's what listening entails, non-verbals. And so when you talk to somebody, Give them, if, if you are listening, and you want them to think that you are listening, give them nonverbals. Shake your head, yeah. Like, do this. Maybe raise your eyebrows. Lean in. Maybe you put your hand on your cheek. Let them know by your nonverbals that, they are, that you are listening. But also, you want to use your verbals to say that you are listening. And so take notes in this. That's like saying, yeah, or I understand, yeah. nodding them alone in the conversation to let you know that, hey, they're listening to me. I'm going to keep pouring my heart out now even in church. Like, like if you do this, and like, if I'm up here talking and you're like, yeah, come on. Like, that lets me know that you're engaged. It lets me know that you're paying attention. But it's much more important to do that one-on-one in small conversation. It's much more important to do that one-on-one in those small types of conversation. Now, let me, let me, um, let me say this. Um, I, I, I struggle to give you this example because uh, it's kind of personal, but I'll do it anyways, okay? So at the church that I used to go to, there was this one person who came up to me, and it was a person that went to the church, and there was this person that came up to me, and they asked me this question. They said, Drake... I, I, I got I to talk to you about something, and it was about their job, and in their job, there was a lot of gossip going on, and it was all started at the head of the, of the position, and so the leader in, in that job was doing a lot of the gossiping, like behind closed doors, and, 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 and they were coming to me, and they were frustrated with this, and so I listened the whole time. They were sitting here talking to me, and I was, I was doing this. Yeah, okay, come on. Yep, 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 I understand. And they finished the entire conversation with me, and then they asked, well, what do you think? And here's what I did. I was honest with them. I was honest with them. Now, here is the goal in any therapy situation. Here's the goal. The goal in any therapy situation says Rogers Young and Jordan Peterson. And and those three, here's what they say, okay? Probably the most well-known therapists that there ever have been. They say the goal in therapy is no more than this. It's to call the situation out for what it truly is. To call the situation out for what it truly is. And so therapists do this, but a good, hear me, A good friend does this too. A good friend looks at a situation and then calls it for what it is. And so I looked at that person that was telling me, and I called it for the best that I could say for what it is. I said, look, 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 look. You are kind of sensitive. And then I said, and you like to jump to to the worst case scenario sometimes. And so know that they're probably not talking to you. So that was real and that was honest and that may have hurt their feelings, but I was okay to take that risk. And then I said this. However, the, the, the boss, 
they should never put themselves in a situation in the workplace where they gossip about other employees. That should never happen. And so you're right to feel the way that you feel. I would feel that way too. But just know they're probably not talking about you, and it's probably not as bad as you think. But then I took a step back, and like I said, I just wanted to call it for what it is. I asked them, I said, but why do you go in every day? I, I just plain as that. Why do you go into work every day? And here's what they told me. The, I just kept thinking about it, and they, didn't, they couldn't hardly say anything. And I said, well, let me ask you, is it to get a paycheck? They said, I mean, that's, a, that's an outcome, but it's not the goal. I said, good. Well, let me ask you this. Is it to make friends? And they said, well, that's an outcome, but it's not the goal. I said, very good. And this was a good Christian person that was telling me this. And I said, okay. So here's what the goal is, uh, that why you go to work, I think. You go to work simply for the, the, the aspect that that is your mission field, and you are going into your job to further the kingdom. Is that right? And they would say, yeah, absolutely, that is right, Drake. I mean, here, I, the, I get all these outcomes, but that is my goal. That is my purpose. I said, exactly. I said, in dealing with difficult people, there is no better way to show Christ than dealing with difficult people and rising above that, not gossiping back, but yet having a good, clean spirit and working with diff dealing with difficult people in a Christ-like manner. And as they were saying, they was like, you know what, you're right. You're right. Now, why do I give that example? I, because it's important that you listen, that you listen, listen to what they say, listen to what they say. And then you can even do this tool. If you, if you want to know if you're listening good, try to, try to regurgitate that back to them. Say, this is how you think or this is what's happening. This is how you feel. And if they agree, then you know that you were listening good. And then call it for how it is. Genuinely do this. Say, well, look, if, if you want to be a good friend, if you don't care, then don't call it for how it is because it leaves you vulnerable then. But if you really want to be a good friend, then call it for how it is. Call it how you see it. And, and pray in the meantime. Pray in the meantime for wisdom and understanding. Okay? All right. Good. Now, it does say be quick to listen, but it does not say in the text only listen, does it? It says be quick to listen, but then what? Slow to speak, slow to speak. And so there does come a time in conversation where we are to open our mouths and respond. There, there, there are those times. Let me say, here we go. What should we not do in speaking to others? And we love to speak. We love to talk, and that's not bad. But what should we not do when we speak to others? Six things. Let me just go over them. Number one, we should not gossip. If you want to gossip, if you gossip about somebody, I can tell you this, you probably won't have any friends and you will not be good at one-on-one -on -one communications because let me, let me give you this example. Miss Melanie, let's say I'm talking to you, right? And I'm like, Miss Diane, did you see what she wore today? Oh my goodness, you know? I mean, she always looks beautiful, but I mean, today, not, not so much, you know? Okay. And when I leave that conversation, what is, what is Melanie thinking? Well, I know I can't trust him. Because if, if he's going to gossip to me about her, then he's going to gossip with somebody else about me. Number two is this. It's judgment. It's judgment. Now hear me. There is a difference between judging someone and using judgment. There is a difference. There is a difference between judging someone and using judgment. What we are specifically talking about is don't judge other people. <coughs> All right. And I mean this in your nonverbals. 
I mean this in your nonverbals, so that when someone is telling me something, let's say that Miss Linda Kay is speaking to me, and she's opening up, and maybe she tells me something that she hasn't told just a thousand other people. This is something that's kind of like uh, uh, sentimental to you, and now you're opening up, expecting that I'm listening good and going to offer how it is in a good response, right? And so you're talking to me, and you tell me something that is just shocking, that I that literally does shock me. When you say that, my face is going to give that away, that I am shocked, isn't it? I, I, it's hard for me to hide that. But nevertheless, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best when I'm talking to somebody. If they say something that shocks me, I'm going to try to let my face say, I'm not judging you. This is a free zone. Even though what they say may shock me. It really may. And, I, and I've been there before. But when I am there, here's what I do, okay? This is really important. I acknowledge the elephant in the room, and I twist it. I acknowledge the elephant in the room and I twist it. So instead of being a judging personality, I say, I would say, Miss Linda Kay, I am so grateful that you would share that with me. I'm so thankful that you that really surprised me that you would that you would open up and share that. Thank you so much. Continue on with your conversation. Do you see what I did there? I acknowledged my shock, but then I, dis- I flipped it in a good light. And I think that's important that we do that in conversation so that when somebody opens up to us and our face says, <laughs> whoa, that let our words then flip that. Say, I'm so thankful that you shared that with me. Now continue to go on in the conversation. All right, so don't, ju- don't judge your verbs either. Number three, don't use excuses all the time, right? Don't use ex- If somebody comes up to you, and you never want to be around this person, if someone comes up to you and they say, hey, look, um, your actions or your character maybe could be a little bit better. Maybe that's a, a, a boss that comes and tells you that, or a spouse, or maybe it's a, a family member or a friend. They come up and they, they have a critique against you. It's so easy to say, well, I act this way because of them, or I act this way because of them, or I act this way because of my circumstances, but, but, but try, try to steer away from that and take responsibility. Number four would be this, opinions, opinions. Nobody likes to hear like a thousand opinions. I'll give you an example. If I come up to you, Mr. Wheel, and I'll say something like, oh, my goodness, the people that have not gotten vaccinated are so stupid. Like, like, right? That's, and then, or I could come up and say, my goodness, Mr. Wheel, all these people that are getting vaccinated, they are the government's guinea. I just don't understand what, what, what's going on. And it's opinions, right? It's opinions that are always coming up. And that's okay to give your opinion sometimes. But if that's all you do is give opinion after opinion, people are going to stray away from you. And I know that's hard to hear, and nobody likes hearing that, but it's the truth. It really is the truth that if all you do is just talk about your leanings and views on things, people are going to be like, you know what? I don't know. So maybe try to stay away from that. Fifth, and this will be my last point because I, th- I can't go up from here. This, this gets me. It's ex- I, I don't know what to call it, but I just called it exaggeratively lying. Exaggeratively lying. And so if, I, if, if I'm speaking to you and I always lie, or I exaggerate something, then you're not going to trust me. You're not going to trust me, okay? You're not going to trust me. So uh, if, if I go dove hunting, Mr. Art, maybe I, I kill like five doves. and it's like, hey, you kill any doves? I'd be like, I had the awesomest dove hunt ever. I killed five, you know? Well, it's probably not the most greatest dove hunt ever. And you would be like, 
okay, well, um, um, what time did you get in last night from dope hunting? And maybe I really got in at like 8, but I'm like, oh, it was so good if we got in at like 7-ish, you know, 7-ish, something like that. It would be exaggerating all the time, and then I would be lying, and then I would be lying. And so in our communication, in our talking, be sure that we're not lying as a way of communicating because we're scared of the consequences or because we want other people to think that we are better than we actually are. Okay, so we talked about listening. We talked about talking, which is a weird, but it's important. And then finally, I want to just ask this. What about our everyday situations where we walk past somebody in Walmart or pass a student in the hallway or maybe it's just a little interaction? How do we handle those? Because not everybody that, that wants to talk to us, Mr. Donnie, is going to come and pour, pour their heart out with us, are they? No. And we're not going to have to get to have a great conversation with everybody that we speak to, are we, Mr. Danny? Absolutely not. But every single day, we're probably going to come in contact with someone via message or, or technology or actually, like, a lot of times face-to-face. So how do we handle those situations? All right. Hear me now. People need seven, seven acknowledgments a day to feel seen. People need seven acknowledgments a day to feel seen. And also, people need seven compliments to override one negative statement. Seven compliments to override one negative statement. And so in my life, throughout my day, if, let's just go with, the, the, with, the, um, with the, the example about Walmart. If I'm walking through Walmart, I'm going to try to acknowledge somebody. So maybe I'm walking in the root beer aisle because root beer is the best drink, and somebody passes me, and I'm not looking at the ground. That's not how you would want to walk. You just, uh, you would want to look like I'm looking at the root beer. I look up and I make eye contact with this person. I smile at them and I say, hey, how are you doing? That counts for something, I, I believe. That has just made their day a little bit better. They have felt seen. People need to have that seven times a day to feel seen. So I've done that. That's one. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Great. I grab my bark root beer. I go to the checkout, and I set my root beer on the counter. And then the girl checking me out uh, has very nice nails. And so I compliment them. I'm like, hey, your nails look very nice. I really like them. I really like the color. Oh, yeah, well, I just got these done. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. That's a compliment. I try to do each one seven times a day, and I think that's important. Because that's how I want to be treated. That's how I, I want somebody to see me seven times a day. I want somebody to give me seven, seven compliments a day. So I try to do that to other people, all right? I'm, and, and this isn't biblical. That's not biblical, to the seven and the seven. It's really not biblical. But it is biblical to treat people how you want to be treated. And because that's how I want to be treated, I, do, I try my best to do that to others. And not every day I'm out and about. Sometimes I just shoot somebody a text, hey, praying for you today. Sometimes I just, hey, look, I really appreciate everything you do for the church or for us. Boom, Sam. I think that's important. So I've talked about listening. We talked about talking. And then last we talked about our everyday, our everyday circumstances. Where does that leave us? That leaves us, last of all, to encapsulate the entire conversation with grace and truth. With grace and truth. With grace and truth. And let that be our guiding factor about how we go into communicating. I hope you've learned a little bit about communication today. And I think that communicating is becoming a commodity like an old newspaper or a Polaroid picture becoming out of style. But if we, as God's people, can learn to talk, learn to communicate, learn to listen, and learn to see people, 
then Christ's kingdom will expand. Christ's kingdom will expand, and it will be through us. It will be through us. Let's pray.